This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. Hello and welcome to Tales from Titchmarsh, a wry look at life over the garden fence, with me, Alan Titchmarsh. This time, getting kids into gardening, the subtle way. Many years ago, about four decades to be precise, I thought I wanted to be a teacher. I considered applying for a teacher training course, but life took a different turn and I ended up at Kew Gardens creating staff training courses. This amounted to the same thing, I suppose, albeit achieved via an alternative route. Sharing passions and passing on what I hope are useful skills have always been the driving force behind what I do. But after a couple of years of teaching... I discovered two things that indicated I wasn't really cut out for the job. The first was that, of necessity, I had to teach the same things each year, every year. And the second was that it became increasingly clear that not everyone wanted to learn. Variety for me is key. It's the thing that keeps me fresh and alive, and doing the same job year in, year out would, I knew, lead to the greatest enemy of my life, boredom. That's not to say that I lack tenacity or that I'm incapable of doing the same thing more than once. However, I need to find a way of staying fresh, and print journalism, television, and radio have given me the chance to do exactly that, even if I do have to explain autumn lawn care each year. 
there's sufficient variety in between to make the instructions for scarification and aeration tolerable. But teaching people who really don't want to learn? Now, that's much harder. I don't begin to suggest that there were more than one or two in that situation at Kew, where the vast majority of people are keen for knowledge and provide excellent company and stimulation. However, you only need the odd pair of eyes to glaze over and to spot the odd yawn to realise that teachers need a different kind of patience to that required for growing plants. I'm clearly less tolerant of recalcitrant people than I am of tricky trees and shrubs. In this respect, I'm the odd one out in my family, for my wife and daughters have all enjoyed the teaching profession. I know from their experiences just how much patience, diligence and commitment are needed to be a good teacher, but perhaps I can allow myself a little pat on the back for at least not putting them off gardening. When my daughters were small, I vowed that I wouldn't push things. Each spring, they'd ask for a patch of ground in which to sow seeds, and a few weeks later, they'd have forgotten about it. That's the way it is with most tiny tots. I refrained from making a fuss and saying, have you looked at your patch recently? Instead, I encouraged them to simply enjoy being out there. Fresh air meant fun, tree houses, picnics, and being squirted with a hosepipe on sunny summer days. I did encourage them to look at and enjoy beautiful flowers, but if the prospect of going into the garden meant hard work and tedium, I reasoned then it wouldn't be long before they turned their back on the great outdoors and refused to have anything to do with it. My technique paid off. While I can't claim that my daughters have mastered botanical Latin, they are now both in possession of a garden and have confessed that there is no way they could live somewhere that was not green. Job done. Except that I'm now reliving those experiences with grandchildren who, mercifully, simply love being outdoors. I can't begin to tell you how much joy it gives me seeing them collect conkers, make dens, and simply run around a garden shrieking with delight. If we're to leave our landscape in safer hands than ours appear to be, we need to foster within our children and grandchildren a simple love of the great outdoors, a joy of being out in the fresh air. This will mature in time, into an understanding that plants and flowers, trees and wildlife, hills and dales, sustain us both physically and spiritually, and deserve to be loved, cherished and protected in return. We must pass on that love in a joyful way, so that those who follow us regard it as a privilege, not a chore. Now... There's a challenge for all of us.